blue wire. Blake Griffin has been traded to the Detroit Pistons. Blake Griffin turns, drives, lays it up, lays it in. Reggie Ford, got it. Turns, fires. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Pistons versus Everybody, the Detroit Pistons podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am your host, Lazarus Jackson, joined tonight by James Edwards of The Athletic. What's up, James? Nothing much, Laz. Appreciate you having me on. I wasn't, you're just a uh, podcast renaissance man, so I wasn't sure which podcast I was going to be on until you just said it right now. But no, I, I've enjoyed what you've done so far with the new one, and uh, I'm happy to be on. Thanks for having me. I appreciate that. It's been It's been a constant struggle for me to like, keep them separate you know right. not say the same thing twice not like write anything and i haven't written anything until this week because it's like all right i need content for two podcasts and like and i don't I don't have enough stuff on this team right honestly no i mean you do a great job i listen to both um and then obviously i check out all the stuff you guys write as well so keep it up man you work harder yeah. than i do Appreciate that. And that's not true. Like I'm, I'm we're, we're going to lead. No, I'm going to lead with your piece on the rebuild. That was like 3.5 K words. Like <laughs> that, that was a lot of, that was a lot of detail. So like what, what was the straw that broke your back with regards to the rebuild? So the main thing for me um, was it, it was a, I mean, everybody does their kind of quarter mark synopsis um, of the team, whether it's, uh, the pundits that are there, the the blogs, everybody does it. Um, so mine was the San Antonio game, which they won, was the 20-game mark. And for them to be, I think at that time, 7-13 and 13, um, after that San Antonio win, with the expectations that they push, it's like, here we go again. It's going to be... Another year of this team maybe or maybe not making the playoffs. Um, part of the reason they got out to such a slow start is because they had all these injuries. And while it's unfortunate and you can't predict it, that's kind of what happens when you put together a team where three of your four highest played player, paid players are injury prone. So it's like, are we just going to go down this again? And is it going to just be the same thing year after year after year? It's like at a point you have to do something different. And I, I thought that even though they won the San Antonio game, they had losses to the, the Hornets um, and the Bulls before that. Games you're supposed to win when you're telling your your fan base that your your goal is to make the playoffs and games that they weren't winning. So you kind of get the sense with the draft pick of Sekou, um, the roster, and I know you've talked about this before, there's like already six or seven young guys. you got a sense that they're, that they're not rebuilding, but they're, they're keeping young guys around. Um, it seems like there's a, they're creating a strategy in which if they want to pivot, they can. Um, and I just thought like after 20 games, that was my synopsis. It was, we're just going to do the same thing again and we, they they should probably do something different. No. Yeah. Does does the, uh, and it sounded like today you were tweeting the, the four and one stretch in December, like hasn't changed your mind on that front at all. I mean, it hasn't really. I, I think the one thing that makes it a positive from the team aspect is that again they're finally doing what they're supposed to do like last yeah. year what got them in the playoffs was their fantastic record against terrible teams i think uh maybe the lower half of the east and west they were like 12 and 1 or something like that like they were very good um and it still took them to the last day of the playoffs to get in 
this year they open up the season with five losses to bad teams. Um, so I guess my thing is, did they dig themselves too deep a hole to start that they can't, that they're not going to be able to get out of, um, even if they keep winning at this rate, because they're going to lose. I mean, there's going to, you don't know what's going to happen in Dallas, Houston. I would imagine the, the odds are in Houston's favor and even Dallas's favor. Um, they're a good team. They're, they're fine. I just think that they've dug themselves a little bit too deep of a hole by losing those five games early on. No, yeah, that that's totally fair. And it, it, was really interesting that like the we knew that coming out right like we knew the schedule was you know a little bit front loaded with easier games yeah and so the timing of the injuries were really bad but the the schedule was front loaded with a bunch of games that were winnable but they were also like jam-packed with games like there was a time when they had played like three more games than everybody else and i always thought that was we should have, uh, I don't know, I didn't look at like the dates or anything when I'm going through the game, but that definitely had more of an impact on uh, their slow start than I think we would like to give it credit for. I agree. That's a great point. Um, you could tell Dwayne was exhausted from it. We were exhausted as media from it. Um, the players, obviously, it is a, they went through a lot. And until that four-day break that they had, that, that four-day break allowed the rest of the league really to catch up to them. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, like you said, they were three games ahead of, I think they played two or three games more than the next team, if I'm not mistaken, if not at least two. Um, and, yeah, when you're going through injuries and you're already a team that margin of error is razor sharp, razor thin, it's not going to help. No, definitely. So in in this rebuild that I don't necessarily think you're, like, far off on, I'm just, like, more focused on this year. But, like, right. in this rebuild, who, who are you going to keep? Like, you're not going to keep Blake. You're going to try and trade Blake for something. Uh, you're not going to keep Dre. Like maybe you sign and trade Dre. Maybe he just leaves in free agency. Reggie's an expiring deal. Like who who uh, who else is left? And there's Seku and Luke and who else? So, and I may be wrong with this, but this is kind of my logic. Um, and this isn't confirmed or sourced or anything. This is literally just my opinion. Blake obviously is going to be the hardest one to move um, of the contracts. Uh, of the players, the contract itself, um, his age. You thought it might be a little bit easier if he came into this year playing like how he did last year, but that hasn't been the case. So you'd imagine, and I haven't asked around yet, it's coming to the point where I will soon, like if his values dipped, uh, I would imagine it has. But with that said, I think you can still rebuild while keeping Blake. Um, And what I say by that is, you get, a, you get the young guys, you get guys you like, you fill in with veterans. You don't push the narrative that you want to be a playoff team. I think that's what really has hurt them more than anything. They are they keep telling themselves that, and they keep telling the fans that, and it's either barely getting done or, for the majority, not getting done. So you keep Blake, who I think is at a point in his career where I think he understands what's ahead. I think he truly enjoys Detroit. You watch him on the basketball court, and you see he's like a coach on the floor. I think he, his dad was a coach. He comes from a, a coaching background. You see kind of that, I don't want to say spark, but there is something there about when he talks about the young guys, when he sees like these guys develop. There, there is something there. Um, and, I, and I think from a perspective of being a young player in this league, Blake is the, the guy you kind of want to model yourself after. He works hard. He dives on the floor. 
Um, he, he knows the game. He's smart. He knows what it takes to win. And I just think that if you're able – if you can't trade him, I don't think the world ends that you have to keep Blake and you can still rebuild. Obviously, he's so he's good, and if he's as good as he was last year and he's just rounding into form now, you're going to win more games than you'd probably like to. And I'm not saying they should tank like Philly tank. I just think they need to change the narrative of what they want to do because it's just not getting done. But, again, if they don't make the playoffs, I don't see a point in bringing Andre back. I, I, Reggie, in my opinion, is not coming back. Um, Derek is a guy who can help a, a really good team. Um, but everybody else I would keep. I would keep around. Langston, if you can bring him back cheaper, he's another guy that's – you need to fill out your roster in a rebuild regardless. And he's a guy that, again, is a model citizen. Um, plays the game the right way, is the nicest guy you'll ever meet. And if you can bring him back for a little bit cheaper than what you signed him for the first go-around, then I, I don't see why you can't bring him back. He's young still as well. So that's kind of my thinking. Just change the narrative of what you want to do because you're setting yourself for a bar that's not already – it's not high as as is, and you're still struggling to reach it. Hmm. Okay. No, yeah, I, I get that. I get that. I think like, it is definitely good to have some adults in the room. Right. I just wonder if it's worth it for for Blake and for the team for um, him to just like raise their floor to a level where it, it uh, like it makes it more difficult to get like better players in the draft. Yeah. I know that's something that's something that like the team has been really frustrated with. The fans are really frustrated with like they can't get the number three pick. They're always stuck with like eight, eight or nine. And uh, I don't I don't know how the fans react to like keeping an aging Blake and getting the seventh overall pick and like telling yourself that that's fine too. But I, I cut right. you I cut you off though. What were you gonna say? No, no, no. I was gonna agree with you. I think that's a great point. My, I guess I'm saying if you can't trade Blake, you can obviously if you can't trade him, you can go the route of building a team around him and trying to compete. And I and I and I totally get that argument. I just don't see a path in which they build a team that is good enough to get over the hill. And I, I think the hill is just win a first-round playoff series. It's hard to get, as you know, free agents here. Um, it's already going to be hard to get a top five pick with this team as is, top seven pick with this team as is. And this team, as constructed, is not built to win a playoff series. So it's like... There's you the goal the goal is to win a championship, but I don't I just don't think they can do that until they go backwards. And it's something that they've kind of neglected all these years. And I again I commend I wrote that in the piece. I commend Tom for not wanting to put the fans through nine, ten win seasons. That's terrible. Mm-hmm. I guess just my only argument is this hasn't worked. And if you want to win a championship, there's only one way to maybe make that work. If you so, I've been like you're not going to win championship anyway. So, like, but so, how would you feel about like attaching Luke to Blake? Because we, we, I think we agree that like Blake's value has dropped. Yeah, and I don't like I like Luke a lot, but Luke's limitations make it difficult for me to see a situation which like he's the starting guard on a championship level team. Yeah. But like that doesn't mean he's not a good player. That doesn't mean he doesn't have value around the league. How would you feel about attaching him to Blake to maybe like get another young guy that another like blue chip young guy that you feel really good about 
or some like feature firsts? That's a great, a great question. Um, I agree with the fact that I don't think Luke will ever be, and I keep saying this and like everything I write, like Bradley Beal, which I think right. is that what everybody would, would want a 26 year old all-star. Um, but then again, I didn't think Luke would be have the be the type of player he is so fast. And you see things like he scores so easily, he scores so effortlessly. Except when obviously like the OG Ananobis are guarding him, or like I would have been very interested to see if the Magic were at full health if they would have put Isaac on him um, against the Magic a week or two ago. Like he struggles against threes and longer wing guys. Um, and like you said, it, you, you don't really see a number one option. I'm still not convinced you don't see a no, he's not a number two option. And for that, I have some hesitation. But it, again, it would depend on who you got back in a trade like that. Yeah. The, the guy I keep coming back to is Wendell Carter Jr., who the coaching staff in Chicago like clearly just like does not see the type of player he could become. Mm-hmm. And would and I don't know I don't know what the front office's plans are. Like Otto Porter's out for you know another month or whatever. I don't know how much they value their young guys and how quickly they they want to be good. But if like you were able to trade you know Blake for like Wendell Carter and like give him Luke to attach it, like I think Wendell Carter could like win Defensive Player in the Year in the right situation. And so like that's the kind of guy I'm looking at as like the blue chip prospect. You like build the rest of the rebuild around. Yeah, no, that's a, a again a great point. I'm not sure. I like Wendell Carter. I'm not sure as I'm as high on him as you are, but I I get what you're saying. And if you get a guy like that, my equivalent to that or whatever it is, I, I would entertain it, especially if it gets you off Blake's contract. And again, Blake is a phenomenal player. Like, right? It's just he is in a situation that couldn't support him when they got him. And um, I guess my thing is if he was going to request a trade, like Blake's a smart guy. Like I, I think he knows that the team's limitations and you hear it in his interviews. Like he's never too hot, too cold. I, I just think he would try to force his way out by now if he could. And if he wanted to. Yeah, what what did you think of the quote he had after the the last Charlotte loss, where um, you know he talked about we you know we like winning, but we don't like to fight for it. I don't remember the exact quote. No, or that, whatever. Was, that was about it. Yeah. Um, what? What? How did that strike you? Um, I I get where he's coming from. Um, I think there are Blake is built differently. Than a lot of guys, I think I'll say this. I think if the NBA, if you're in the NBA and you got paid $50,000 a year to play, I think Blake would still pursue. If you go back to him out of college, he would still pursue life as a professional basketball player. I'm not sure if everyone in the locker room would, if that makes any sense. I just, there's a guys like to win uh, guys like the accolades. I don't know if guys are all the guys in the locker room. That's not, there's a lot that are, I'm not sure that everybody has the understanding of what it takes to win. Um, and is willing to do the things like the little, little things like, uh, that it takes to win. 
All right. I'm not going to ask you to name names. We're not going to, we're not going to do that. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to do that. But <laughs> I mean, I think, I think people have like an idea, like, you know, who some of the guys yeah. are that do what the, the things that really like basketball savants notice um, with regularity and, and the guys that don't, and the guys that are maybe hunting things uh, when there's better, like, I think people know. Yes, definitely. Talking about erectile dysfunction is not easy. Usually, you just brush it off or blame yourself, saying things like, I lost my mojo, or you can avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work, or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. You know, I've been with my wife 10 years, been married for four. You never expect those words to come out of your mouth, and then they do. And then you're like, wow, wow, like, who, who am I? What, what have I become? Who can I talk to about this? Luckily with Roman, it is easy to talk about it. With a real doctor who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan, and if medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is also simple. You just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire and complete an online visit. ED used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash BlueWire for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash BlueWire. So I wanted to get a little bit into the present, not so much into like what this team uh, could be, but you know what they are right now. And they have been playing better as of late, especially defensively. Is there anything you've noticed that um, has has made them more effective defensively? I know it, for me, it's been like the ever since the four day break, and I assume like Dwayne like just like got on them for three straight practices. They've been better on that end, but I, I can't tell if there's anything like schematically they're doing that's making them more effective. What have you been seeing? Yeah, I mean, when we've people have talked about it, I mean, Blake's presence, like you just watch him. If you on defense, if you just watch Blake, you'll see him pointing at everywhere for guys to be. And that was a big thing. Like guys were just out of place early on in the year and like we're kind of just scrambling, running like chickens with their head cut off at times. And now you see that less. Um guys are putting more their more natural roles. So so guys are going against guys I would say that are in their, their same tier. Um and again, I, I think that the schematics were always fine. It was just a matter of having the 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 natural order of things to, to get it done and guys some cohesion with with in, or with injuries now that's getting better and the one thing that really hurts the pistons and you've seen it i mean you can look at the losses to charlotte like and then the win against san antonio like perfectly ex- display this they really struggle against athletic teams with sizable long wings and that's the difference between losing to charlotte by one and and beating the spurs by 30 the spurs have very few players that you are worried about athletically that are long, that create many mismatches. And Charlotte's not the greatest team, but they have those guys. 
Um, and the Pistons are in a spell or a stint right now where they're playing a lot of teams. Like even Indiana. Indiana is not the most athletically gifted team on the perimeter, um, especially without Oladipo. Like they struggle against those type of teams, and right now they aren't. They haven't been playing those type of teams. No, that's fair. Uh, it makes me makes me wonder about Seku, like what he's going to be. When are they going to send you to Grand Rapids to do your Seku feature? They already sent Vince. Yeah, I've been uh, look waiting for a time. Like it's just a matter of when's the, the right time to get down there. Uh, I was looking at. I think there's something next week. I think when they go to Boston, Grand Rapids has a game, and I'm not sure if I'm gonna go to Boston. I'd rather check out Seku and the young guys if I can, because that's just a one-off trip. I think they go to Boston and come right back. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I, I've been having yeah, the calendar. It's just finding the right day to do it. What was your what was your impression of him like during like media day and for like the short time he's been around the team? Does he does he fit well in? I know there's like he's a little quiet. It's he's still like I don't want to say like struggling with the English language, but it's it's not his first language and he hasn't been like speaking it consistently or whatever in Europe. Um what what is uh how does Seiku like received in the locker room? Yeah, no, that's a good question. I actually got to get get kind of my relationship forming with Seku pretty early because as soon as he got drafted, I sat with him um, like a day or two later at the old facility and we did a Q and a, but we just kind of talked for like 20, 30 minutes. And he's a lot more talkative in a one-on-one setting. I think the cameras um, and all the people kind of makes him sound uh, less confident in his English than he actually is. But when you hear him in the locker room, like he's joking around with guys, his English is pretty good. Like, it's not great, but I don't think it's as bad as people think it is. Okay. Um, you can hear you can hear an accent, but, like, he's he talks confidently when it's just him and his boys. Um, and it's different when he has a bunch of cameras around him. But he he's a joking guy. He's playful. Him and Blake kicking the soccer ball around. Him and Bruce hit it off. Um, I don't – yeah, I from my just observations and talking to guys, like, everybody likes Seku. He's a happy guy, a playful guy, a joker. Um, he's a big soccer fan, so we talk about that every now and then. I'm a soccer fan as well. And, yeah, no, he's he's your teenage kid who is seeing more cameras than he ever has in a country he's never been. Um, so there's just some of that initial shyness. But he's not as reserved as as people say, as people think he is. That's good to hear. Like, definitely. Because that you would want, if, like, we've been talking about the rebuild and stuff, you would want – Seku probably to be the face of whatever the next iteration of this team is going to be. Mm-hmm. And so like, if, if they, you, he ever gets comfortable enough around the cameras, which is difficult. Yeah. Like he's, he's, you know, 18 or 19, I think now, um, but, but you would want him to be, you know, your Steve Eiserman, right. The, your the fresh face of, uh, of your new, uh, you know, contending team. And so having him be comfortable in the locker room, like be, comfortable around those guys is a good like first place to go yeah no have you been, no go ahead so, i was gonna say have you have you been surprised with how good he's played in grand rapids like after preseason i was ready to just like write him off entirely for the entire year uh, even even g league like okay he's gonna need uh you know he's gonna need to earn minutes in the g league but he's he's shown himself really quickly and uh played well for grand rapids yeah i am a little bit surprised um I guess I didn't know really what to expect. I don't know the translation from 
the league in France, League One, I think. I don't know. That's what it is in soccer. I don't know what it is in basketball. Um, to I don't know the translation to the G League. If it's equivalent, I would imagine the G League's probably better. Uh, but it doesn't seem like it based on the numbers he's putting up. Um, I One thing I really liked when I watched film on him after they drafted him is, like, I thought his shot looked a lot better than, like, people were letting on and, like, he, he's going to need his, his shot revamped. And I know they did do some revamping of his shot, but, like, the way he shot the ball in Grand Rapids, he's confident. He has a very kind of linear form. It almost kind of reminds me of Tobias Harris's a little bit. Um He's obviously a little bit bigger, so it doesn't look the, exactly the same, but there, it's just very linear and kind of confident. Um, the way he's put the ball on the floor, he's not the fastest, but he uses his length um, to get by guys. He's strong. His coach, I did a story on uh, talking to his coach about his development, and, and Tyndall, Donnie Tyndall told me he's stronger than he looks. He has like, like baby strength where he, he gets you on his hip and, and you move a little bit. Um, he's just naturally strong. He's not even weight room strong yet. So he can get you, if he gets you on your hip, he can get some space and then use his length to finish. Um, he's good on both sides of the rim. Uh, I think the one thing I want to see from him is there looks like, and I don't know if this is just his personality or the game, if he's tired because this is a lot of basketball right now, physicality, but it seems like he gets, he looks nonchalant on the court. And I don't, I don't know if that's the adjustment or if that's just how he is. Um, but you'd like to see kind of some of that. You'd like to see a little bit more motor with him. But, I mean, not all guys have that. You just – I'm just curious to see how that manifests throughout the years. Yeah, that was that was one of the critiques of him uh, coming out of – I was going to say coming out of school, but he <laughs> didn't come out of school. Right. But, yeah, that, you can, that was always, like, visible, I guess, in his on-court play. But you're right. Like, not every guy – uh, needs to have not every guy's mark is smart or right. like like that, so it, that's fine. I mean, Luke's, Luke's the perfect example. Yeah, oh yeah. Unless you put a unless you put like Doug McDermott on him, right? <laughs> then he gets going. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> him or uh, Connaughton, he'll, he'll get he'll try to get you uh, try to get you moving. Poor Nick Stauskas. <laughs> poor Nick. No poor Nick. <laughs> no state. Go green. There, hey, there we go. Exactly. It's interesting. I was gonna say it's interesting you brought up Tobias's shot too because they both have that like little like wrist flick yes. at the top. Yeah, that's the big thing that kind of that that I notice. It's it's the wrist flick at the top. It extends all the like I don't. It's hard to describe, but if you kind of see their jump shots next to each other, I, I would I hope you can see what I'm talking about. But I, I see it. Maybe I'm just crazy, but it, it seems like it's very similar, and that's I mean that's a good thing for Seiko. No, it's. I didn't realize that until you said it, but once you said it, I was like, oh, like, yeah, like, I can definitely see that, okay. especially since I just watched Tobias last night. Uh, his again. his uh, three-point shooting this year is very interesting. Like, it's almost not falling off a cliff, but, like, I, I mean, he's been shooting lights out for the last three years, and that is not the case this year. That whole offense is uh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I I have I have confidence that they'll figure it out, and they're more they're more conducive to playing games in a playoff setting anyway. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, that is interesting. Yeah, we'll go with. I'd be curious to see if uh, I mean you hear you've heard about it for the last few years about Brett Brown. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's it's getting late in the season. Not I mean not really. We're not even at the halfway point, but I feel like if we're gonna make a change of that. 
drastic of measures. It would probably be sooner rather than later. But if they don't do anything of of note this year, I, I'd be very surprised if he comes back. Yeah, I, I would be as well. What else, what else has uh, surprised you kind of around the league? What else has stuck out to you as you've been uh, watching games on your couch instead of going to Mexico City? Ah, good question. Um, I guess the Raptors. Uh, I think they lost the other night, but I mean, the way that they've played with just kind of the drastic change that's gone on around there. I remember I was talking to their PR guy when we were in Toronto a few weeks ago, and he just talked about how everything has changed. Like he walks into the arena and it's a, it's almost creepy to him because like a few months ago, this place was absolutely packed and a championship was being won. And now you go in there and it's like, it's still a great crowd, but it's, it's not the same. And the players though, like the emergence of Pascal, um, Van Vliet, I I like what Toronto's doing. They have good players and that'll always go a long way. Um, Indiana's weird to me because every time I watch them and have watched them for the last few years, like I just don't, I don't think they're good. And then you turn on league pass and they're just fundamentally sound and play almost the exact opposite of how they play when they play the Pistons. Uh, but for them to stay afloat without Victor, I, that, that's surprising me. Uh, I enjoy watching Charlotte. I know you're out that way. Uh, that's a fun team. I, I wonder if they would, Sign Rogier now, knowing what they know about Devontae Graham. Uh, Miles Bridges hit a big three last night. Uh, he hasn't taken the leap I thought he would, but he's still, to me, a good player. I really, really like P.J. Washington, seeing him up close three times now. Um, I think that team is fun. The mess in the Bulls in Chicago is hilarious. <laughs> like, Laurie Markinen just – me and Vince used to have this discussion um, – he didn't like Porzingis. He thinks that he, he just doesn't see the frame building out. I don't want to say he thinks he's he's soft. I don't want to put words in his mouth. But he, he didn't see – he doesn't really think that that guy is going to be a guy you can build your team around going forward. But he thought so with Laurie Markkinen. And I was kind of in between. Like I like Porzingis a lot. I'm not sure if he's – a if he's a, if he's the second best player on your team, if you're winning a title, I'm not sure about that yet. And I like Laurie, but I didn't know what he could become. But for him to just fall off, I don't know. I, I'm going to put that on the coaching and just that what's going on over there. But that's been that's been very weird. There's a lot of weirdness going on. I guess more so than anything. I I would agree with Vince for what it's worth. Yeah, um, I wouldn't argue it. I was I was never like really overly impressed uh, with Porzingis. Uh, for similar reasons, like he, he's he's not soft, but he doesn't always play with like the physicality you would expect a seven three dude to to play with. Not being able um, to back down Marcus Smart is insane. Yeah, when you're seven three, yeah, it's insane. And I guess maybe that's all you need to know. Pretty much. The other thing that surprised me is Miami. Yeah, like coming into the year, I thought Miami was missing. They were missing shooting. And they were missing like ball handling out of their guards, mm-hmm. and they they're getting it from two undrafted dudes. And like I don't know how I was supposed to predict that. Right, you're not you're not at all. <laughs> and so like they've how how good they look. All their pieces fit. Um, may you know with with their big salaries and you know armed with some first round picks. There's even like a possibility they could add another guy. Yeah, right? like they're 
they're in the Kevin Love sweepstakes for for whatever that's worth. Um, I don't even know if I would touch that if I were them. Like, you could. I mean, it depends on who that second guy is. Like, I'm not sure I would touch that for Kevin Love, um, if I'm being honest. But, man, the way Tyler Hero's playing, like, everybody kind of – I don't. nobody expected what he's done. But people talked about him being a player. Um, I don't think anybody expected it this fast. What did he have the other night, 30 or something? Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, like, Bam obviously has been great. Olenek, like, that's what separates – you look at certain teams and you just see basketball players down the roster. I mean, the number one is Milwaukee. I would say they have 10 or 11 good NBA basketball players. Um, Miami, like Kelly Olenek is their seventh or seventh man, eighth man. Like, and he's a really good basketball player. That's if you you don't have to have all these stars all the time. I mean, Milwaukee has one star. Middleton is a very good player. Uh, the Heat have one star. But these teams, man, to be able to roll out eleven guys that are good basketball players that that's what separates. I mean, the Nuggets, like that's what separates a lot of these teams who aren't. I mean, Miami's a destination franchise, but like you know what I mean. Like if you can build your team that way, that goes a long way and. The Pistons have tried to do that. Um, it just hasn't really worked out so far. Yeah. Miami being able to turn like their undrafted guys right. into legitimate rotation pieces yeah. is something you can't say for most uh, NBA franchises. For sure. And like that is that's really valuable, especially because those guys are cheap and those guys are effective and they know their role and they're uh, ready to to play on like both ends of the floor like night in and night out. That stuff's valuable. It it doesn't necessarily uh like uh I don't think like Duncan Robinson is playing like 35 minutes a night in like the second round of the playoffs or anything. Right. But it's still it's really valuable during the regular season and you know, regular season's long and important. Yeah, it's all about cohesion, seeding, um like you said, building confidence with guys. Um I think you and Ty Windish did a podcast and you talked about that with Divinchenko who I mean if you can throw him in for five minutes in a in a tough playoff game, he's he should be ready to go by now. Yeah. All right, so I got two more questions for you before I get you out of here. So from the man who wrote the definitive piece on the teal horsehead jerseys, <laughs> what are your thoughts on the new red ones? I like them. I did not like them when I saw that flimsy, grainy Area 51 photo of them hanging in a – Hanging in a, Dick's sporting goods. Yeah, in a Dick Sporting Goods in Utica or wherever it was. <laughs> like, it just did not look good. But then when you see them on the players and you see the red pop under the lights, they look really good. I know a lot of people don't like the racing stripes down the middle, and I get that, and they want them down the side. But I think it brings a uniqueness to them. I, li- I, li- I do like I like the jerseys to answer your question. I, I think they pop under the lights. Um and they they look good on the players. Uh, red is a, obviously a vibrant color, and LCA is filled with red, um, except for the seats now. But the kind of detail inside is red. Obviously, the Pistons have red on the court. Um, it looks good. I'm I'm a fan. All right, I they have grown on me. I like you. Like saw the grainy footage of the Dick Sporting Goods and was like, that. Yeah, I don't love it. Yeah, but. 
the the promo vid they did for their debut with like the actual like red and blue Mustang with the racing stripes. So cool. It's like it's like, oh, I get it. Yeah. I get it. Yes. They and that's how um teams should do it. And obviously it's out of their control. I know they were very irritated with how the jerseys were released. Understandably. Yes, understandably. Um but when you pre- when you give the when you let people do their jobs, the creative teams, and present it how they want to, it's going to look better um, than hanging on a hanger in a Twitter photo. I don't. I don't want to go back to the heat, but did you see what uh, what they did for their promo for their new Vice jerseys? I did. Oh, that was so good. So good. Yeah, those jerseys are so sick. <laughs> they should. At this point, they have like four of them. They should just rotate through those four. I, like, there's no reason. Nobody would argue it. Nobody would argue it. Um, and they pop, they're unique. It's very Miami. That's, I think that's kind of the, the charm with them. Mm-hmm. Um, just, not, not everybody can pull off like whatever teal bluish, like ocean blue color that is right now. No, but it works. It, it works perfectly. You throw in the pink and like, it looks like I never really played the game, but the cover of what was it? San Andreas or grand. Wasn't there a grand theft auto like vice city? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like it looks just like that, and they look great. Um, there's an interesting thing that I just learned about Miami that I don't know if people know, but they have Michael Jordan's jersey hung up in their arena, which is really. And I asked about that, and I I was told he played his last game in Miami. I don't know if it was. Before the last one with the bulls before he went to the wizards or his last one with the wizards was in Miami. But because of that, they have like Michael Jordan's Jersey up there. It's not like in the rafters. It's more like on the arena block on the, above the top row, but it's like next to Dan Marino. It's so odd. It's really weird. Hmm. I just wanted to share that because it made me think about that. And I don't, I didn't know that. Like I'm surprised they did that. (laughs) I don't know. That is weird. And like, we don't, no one counts the second, uh, the Wizards part of Jordan's career. Like, no one, no. no one holds it against him. No, not at all. But the thing with that is, and Laz, we're in this, I think we're the same age or close to it. Like, I, like, I remember watching Jordan with the Wizards more than obviously with the Bulls in person, like on TV. Obviously yeah. You have DVDs and stuff that you, you went back and watched. And there's, I, NBA I more remember that. like, I remember like the all-star games he was in yes, as a member too. of the wizards. And it was like profoundly weird. Yes. The, it was like a deity was just like <laughs> came down <laughs> to play this game of basketball. He looked a little thicker than I like. He looked on my post on my poster. It was just, yeah, it was odd, but Jordan wizards, man, he still got buckets. Yeah. All right. Last question. Still kind of, I tangentially related to the bulls. How do you not ask Derrick Rose about the Goran Dragic back scratch dunk? All right, so there's a story with that. And it irritates me to this day that I didn't plan accordingly. So I knew the day before that I was going to be able to do that piece with him. Um, and so I had, I had 10 lined up. Like I just took – NBA.com did like 10 of his, his top 10 plays. And I just kind of sifted through and picked like the ones I wanted to do. So we were talking, he had, 
So initially, it was supposed to just be me and him after practice, but then TV crew came and they asked for him, so they got him before me. So he's already kind of like, he's not upset or anything, but he's like been asked to do... Doing TV yeah, for a long time. Exactly. He's been asked to do more than I think he thought he would. So me and him are standing, watching it on my phone, and I'm just like, man, like I don't... I don't like holding guys up. Like I don't. We we have pregame availability. I don't like going in the ro- locker room pregame at home because, like, I'd imagine if I was a basketball player, like, the last thing I want to do is answer questions before I'm about to play. And he just finished practice, did TV. So I'm like, all right, let me just go in order of how I had it and see what happens. So we go through four of the the back half of the top ten. I skip one, do an, do one in the middles. Wanted to make sure I got number one. And he, he didn't seem antsy, but I felt antsy that he needed to go. The PR was kind of like hovering, and I was just like, all right, this could be the last one because he did like seven or eight at this point. And then I walked away, and I was like, I forgot to do the tragic one. <laughs> like there was like a jump pass in there that was fine. It was a great pass, but it's like that over the tragic dunk. And, oh, funny thing is when I skipped to number one because I wanted – I think they said he just a few more minutes – I was like, all right, I'll just skip to number one. And when I dragged my phone, it showed him dunking on Drogic. And I was like, oh, we'll get to that one. He's like, he's like, oh, yeah, the Drogic dunk? I was like, yeah. <laughs> so then I went to one, and it's like it ran, we ran out of time. And maybe I'll, maybe I'll double back. But, yeah, that, I'm kicking myself over that one. Yeah, lo- lost to history. Yeah. It's, and I got so much crap for that in the comments. But it, hopefully people still enjoyed it. <laughs> I know I did. And you know, uh, you've done that before with the uh, showing guys film. I remember the uh, the other piece of yours that I really enjoyed where you did that was uh, like you went through all the dudes Bruce Brown checked last year. Yeah, even like the Harden game and uh, and just like going through and sitting down with him and like his reactions to those are just like hilarious. He's if he ever becomes a star, like watch out NBA media. Like he's hilarious. He's unfiltered. He's humble, but braggadocious. He knows his, he knows how he, he, in his mind, he's a very good basketball player and he knows what he's good at, but he will not, he was not afraid to tell you if a guy gets him, he's not afraid to tell you who's tough to guard. Like I remember last year, Phoenix came to Detroit, I think toward the end of the year and me and him had already, think we had done the piece already or it was done and that was like it hadn't come out yet so i just asked him about devin booker i shout for like i didn't shout like no not all the media was around him but i just asked him i was like what about devin he's like yeah he's like that's a bad boy (laughs) he's like that dude's for real i was like how so he's like just the way he moves like stops on a dime like you have to really be on him and i was like He's like, he, that might be number one. I was like, Devin, really? Is number one? He's like, he's up there. And it's just that type of, like, realness that you don't really get from players because they're shielded and the media is what it is in their eyes. But he hasn't been uh, – he has not been broken by the media yet. So he's still yeah. he's still very good to go to for stuff like that. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. He's, he's young. He'll learn. Right. And that's, like, early <laughs> Stanley. Like, I mean, Stanley, what he said about LeBron in the playoff series, you never really heard anything about uh, – Come like that come from Stanley's mouth after he said that talk about LeBron. He, I'm sure that traveled more than he thought it would, um, <laughs> and he learned not to do that. Yeah. 
All right, James, thank you so much for your time. I'll let the people know where they can find you, where they can find your work. Are you? I let them know what the offer codes are for the sales that I know you guys are running right now. <laughs> yeah, no, thanks for having me on, Laz. It's always fun to chat with you. We'll have to get dinner when you're in town. And uh, yeah, no, JL Edwards, III on Twitter. Um, I'm at The Athletic, The Athletic Detroit, if you're a Detroit sports fan or a Pistons fan. Uh, there are holiday sales right now, so you get like a year subscription. Um, I don't have the price in front of me, but it comes with a t-shirt or you can get two years. It comes with a t-shirt. If you want to gift somebody one, uh, there's a free trial. So you get set, you get it seven days for free. And if you like it, you, you, you pay and you keep going. Um, but yeah, if you're into, I guess I always say if you're the diehard sports fan, I, I think the athletics for you and, and worth checking out. And if you like weird stuff, like stuff about the teal jerseys, there's, there's that for you. And if you like kind of straightforward basketball analysis there's it's that too and columns opinion yeah no it's all there and it's uh i always say one less beer a month and and you can get the athletic so i appreciate the uh the platform last thank you yeah no no problem i i will stump for the athletic i think this is year three that i've i've had my subscription and like i don't know how much money i've like paid but like I've gotten the I've gotten my like return on investment like tenfold. Oh, that's awesome! Like, that's that's cool to hear you say. I don't know how much I've paid. Like that's the greatest thing you can you can hear. Yeah, auto auto draft man, <laughs> it's just gone. Did you? But no, sorry. Were you okay. were you in before like? Yeah, like before yeah. they even announced like Pistons writer or like anything like that. Yeah, I was in. Um, who did they bring on? It wasn't Shams that made me come on. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I don't remember. I mean, it might have been like Sam Vecini or somebody. Uh, he was early. Yeah, he was. I think he was yeah. early. Yeah, where I was like, okay, like, um, because he, oh yeah, that's right, because he was moving from, uh, from like CBS. Yes. And CBS was like, um, they lost a bunch of their guys. They lost Matt Moore. Um, I think they still have like James Herbert. Yeah. But uh, I was like, okay, well, I, I guess I'll get it. And the thing that I always like it was like, oh, I'll just, like. I'll just get the basketball section. It's like, no, like I, I get everything. Like I, I don't even pay that much attention to football, but like I get like Nick Baumgutter on the lions yeah. and I get Colton Pouncey on the Spartans. Right. My trash, trash Spartans. Oh my, we don't, yeah, we don't, we get do we'll another podcast on them, but yeah, Cut the mic. no, it's like, dude, yeah, there needs to be change there too. And I'm even getting to that point. I'm not, I'm not going to say there needs to be change, uh, but with the basketball team, man, it's, People don't understand how – and I want to just take this time, too, to say thank you to all the subscribers and readers who are subscribing, spending their money, um, joining us now when this is arguably – I mean, you can make <laughs> The worst time in Detroit oh sports my, history. Like, there is not – it is tough, and you guys are continuing to support us. And, I mean, you guys don't understand. We talk about that so much behind closed doors about just the craziness of the fans here and – how supportive everybody is despite this being maybe the most depressing sports town in America right now. Oof. On that cheery note, <laughs> uh, I'm Lazarus Jackson. You can follow me on Twitter at last chance. That's at L A Z C H A N C E. I host another podcast, the Detroit bad boys podcast. You can find that the same way you are listening to this. This has been Pistons versus everybody. And we will talk to y'all next week.